1 Peter 1, beginning in verse 13. Therefore, gird up the loins of your mind, be sober, and rest your hope fully upon the grace that is to be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. As obedient children, not conforming yourselves to the former lusts, as in your ignorance. But as he who called you is holy, you also be holy in all your conduct. Because it is written, Be holy, for I am holy. These words, Be ye holy, might possibly be the most important words in all of Scripture. And yes, we do quote other verses and memorize other passages more often like those of John 3.16 or the comforting words from Psalm 23 and others. But these words, these words are very different from all those words and those precepts from God. And they have a different calling that's required of them. These words are clearly a command. A command issued to each and every person who is called by the name Christian. Yes, it is grace that first brings each believer to Christ in salvation. But from that first moment of salvation forward, this command, be ye holy, becomes an ever so important demand upon our souls, upon our character, upon all the activities of daily life. Such unbending commands are sometimes confusing within the church today. Grace is being given so much emphasis within our teachings that commands and commandments are often relegated to the level of antiquated teachings from the Old Testament. And they are treated as being replaced, completely replaced by New Testament grace. Too often those words in Romans 6 where we're told that we're no longer under the law but under grace get very narrowly defined and in error, well-meaning churchgoers, believers, assume that all the Old Testament commandments, the statutes, the commands, the precepts, the testimonies, have been completely replaced with New Testament grace. And that is taught in some of our denominations today. But that's not so. Not according to the Scriptures. Recall again with me that Jesus said, Verily I say unto you, Till heaven and earth pass, one jot or one tittle shall in no wise pass from the law, till all be fulfilled. Whosoever therefore shall break one of these least of these commandments, and shall teach other men so, he shall be called the least in the kingdom of God. Now notice that's in the kingdom of God. That's believers teaching other believers that the laws of God are no longer applicable. But whosoever shall do and teach them, the same shall be called great in the kingdom of heaven. Then Jesus also said in John 14, 21, Whoever has my commandments and keeps them, he it is who loves me. And he who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I will love him and manifest myself to him. And then here in today's text, through the mouth of Apostle Peter. God is giving us that same clear and unyielding command. Be ye holy. Be ye holy. Simply put, God is saying to us who are saved, yes, by grace you are now a part of who I am, 
and I am in you, and you are in me, and because, though, I am holy and can be no other way then, so also you must be holy. Otherwise, you will have no part in me. That, folks, is an ever so unyielding demand. And God will have it no other way. He cannot. He is holy and He cannot violate His own holiness by allowing you and me who are in Him to be unholy. But how do we get to be holy from where we began in life as a lost sinner, poor, wretched, naked, and blind? Jesus answered that question for Thomas when Thomas said to him, Lord, we want to follow you. We want to go where you go. We want to think like you think. But we don't know the way. And Jesus said to him simply, I am the way. I am the way the truth, and the life. The way that leads to life and holiness is through the very person of Christ and through Him alone, no one else. It begins with that first moment when we surrender our souls over to Him in salvation. In that first moment, His blood immediately cleanses us from all our sins and sets us apart for His purposes. And it is from that moment forward that we are holy before God the Father. At that very moment, we are holy before God the Father. We are saved. But unfortunately, as we well know, the world, the flesh, and the devil do not ever back away and allow us to rest in this newfound holiness of Christ. As we've been studying recently there from the book of Ephesians, spiritual forces from the realms of darkness continually wage war against our soul and against our spirit because they are who they are and because they do what they do there is much then that is required of you and me to resist them and to maintain that blessed holiness that Christ has put within us and that's what he's talking about in these words our part requires that we have an ongoing surrender of all those unholy matters of self those former lusts that continually try to resurrect themselves within our newly cleansed souls. And that is ever so difficult for us. That's why it's necessary for God to over and over again remind us with stern words, stern words such as these of our text. Listen, gird up the loins of your mind. That's a command. Gird up the loins of your mind. Be sober and rest your hope fully upon the grace that is to be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ as obedient children, not conforming yourselves to the former lusts as in your ignorance. But as He who called you is holy, you also be holy in all your conduct because it is written, Be holy, for I am holy. Now may I just ask us, to stop here for a moment and ask God's Holy Spirit to tell each of our spirits within us how we should understand these words. Because God is uniquely intimate to each one of us. And so we say, Holy Spirit, please help us to understand what you're saying in this matter of holiness. Because it is so difficult for our minds to understand. Why is that so? 
Why is it so difficult for us to understand and then to carry it on forward? It's because of our flesh. Our flesh. Our flesh remembers so much of how we enjoyed all those things and behaviors that were unholy in our former days of lust, in our days of ignorance that he speaks about here. Our flesh remembers the joy that was there. Wrong kinds of joy, but real joy. And to add to those temptations, we're also constantly then being pulled and ensnared by the world, the flesh, and the devil to join back with them into that old unholiness, but also into new lusts of the flesh. It's that battle that we read about in Romans chapter 7. The Apostle Paul there is so caught up in this struggle saying, Lord, why do I do the things that I should not do, but do not do the things that I should? He says there in that portion of Scripture, he says there is a battle going on within me, and it's a battle between my flesh and my spirit. Who shall save me from this body of death? Thanks be to God, it's through Christ. Our spirit knows the things we should do. But our flesh still remembers and wants its old ways. But with all that being said, may I encourage us about these trials and these struggles. That being holy may not really be quite as difficult as we allow it to be within us. Why is that so? It is because of grace. The grace that we spoke about a moment ago. Just as it was grace that taught my heart to fear and to repent, It is by grace also that my fears and my struggles are relieved. Listen again to this word in our text. Verse 13, Therefore, gird up the loins of your mind, be sober, and listen, rest your hope fully upon the grace that is to be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Did you catch those words? Rest your hope fully upon the grace that is to be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Now yes, you and I are personally accountable to gird up the loins of our mind and with sober resolution begin to take those steps forward. And just as we studied in in Sunday school, you and I must take a first step. Just as the Israelites had to take that first step into the Jordan River before it parted. That's this matter of our working with God's grace to be holy. You and I are to gird up the loins of our mind and with sober resolution step forward and then grace begins to take on the heavy lifting for us. Grace is the strength by which those waters part. Grace is the strength by which we take the next steps of resisting the world, the flesh, and the devil and of taking those steps towards holiness. Rest your hope fully upon the grace that is to be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Very important wording here at the end of this verse. This revelation of Jesus Christ is not just some future event as some preach it. This revelation he's speaking about here is now. And it's provided to us daily and continually. By God's Holy Spirit. Jesus told us about that in John chapter 16. Listen to this in verse 12. Jesus said, 
I still have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. Recall at this point, he has, this is just before his crucifixion. He said, I still have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. But when the Spirit of truth comes, He will guide you into all truth. For He will not speak of His own authority, but whatever He hears, He will speak and He will declare to you the things that are to come. He will glorify Me, for He will take what is Mine and declare it to you. This is the revelation of Jesus Christ. The Holy Spirit, moment by moment, will reveal Jesus Christ to us. He will glorify me, for He will take what is mine and declare it to you, to our minds, to our spirits. All that the Father has is mine. Therefore I said that He will take what is mine and declare it to you. That's what the Holy Spirit is doing right at this moment, and that's what He will do every moment of every day as we open up our hearts and minds in surrender to Him. That's what He's telling us here. From that first moment that we were drawn to Christ for salvation and then continuing on throughout all the days of our lives as a Christian, God's Holy Spirit will be continually revealing the Lord Jesus to us. And as He reveals Jesus to our soul, each each time, each step that He takes to reveal Jesus to our soul and our spirit, by His grace, changes begin to take place within us. Changes that will turn us from the conditions that are spoken of there in Revelation chapter 3 where we're described as being poor, wretched, naked, and blind. Turning us then into the very image of Christ. We become different people. Are you a different person today than you were yesterday or a year ago? Now yes, all that seems like an impossibility to us, especially because we know what's going on in our own heart and mind. And when we look at the condition of our wretched souls and know that we think things and we do things, especially in secret, that we should not do. And we don't want to be doing them, but we do them anyway. But let me assure you and me that God's grace is powerful. And if we will simply turn and surrender each of those back to Him. His grace is powerful beyond measure. Powerful beyond measure. It can part any waters in front of us. It can accomplish anything that it sets out to accomplish. But again, you and I do have our part. And we must do our part. We must put our foot in that water before it starts to separate. Therefore, gird up the loins of your mind. This is our part. Be sober, this is our part. And rest your hope fully upon the grace that is to be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. As He reveals Christ to us moment by moment. He says, as obedient children, not conforming yourselves to the former lusts as in your ignorance. Don't go back to that. Do not go back to that. But as He who has called you is holy... You also be holy in all your conduct because it is written, Be holy, for I am holy. Over these past few days as our family has grieved the loss of my dear sister Jean, we could see so many of these dynamics taking place in our loved one's lives. One in particular. One who probably has not yet taken that first step of surrender to Christ. My nephew, He has led a very hard and difficult life. Recently, 
released from prison. I was so thankful he was able to stay with us and attend his mother's funeral. And during those few days with us, we were able to share the gospel with him on several occasions. But he was very receptive. He invited it, actually asked for it. He despises the way his life has turned out and really does want to change. He really does want to change. Having spent the majority of the past 35 years in various jails and prisons, he desperately wants to spend the next years differently. And I really believe that he genuinely understands that such changes can only take place if he fully and completely gives his heart to Christ. Well, my nephew listened carefully to our words. He received them, sincerely wanted them to be real for his soul. But in only one day after leaving our company, he returned back to his old ways and habits. And he's now back in jail, and probably for a long time, these words, verse 14, as obedient children, not conforming yourselves to the former lusts as in your ignorance. Now again, my nephew probably has not taken even the first step of holiness, the step of salvation. But we can now see the effects of those former lusts and ignorance spoken about here. Those lusts and that ignorance were all that my dear nephew knew and understood. That had been his life for most all of his years. And so he returned to them. I recall in one of my conversations with him as he was declaring so strongly that he did not want to go back to that way of life. I quoted a very descriptive verse from Proverbs chapter 26 to him and I pleaded with him to not go back to that old way. That verse, Proverbs 26, 11, like a dog that returns to his vomit is a fool who repeats his folly. I know that today as my nephew sits there in his jail cell, he mourns the bad decisions he made that took him back there again. Now, I don't know all of God's plans for my nephew, but I do know that his plan surely did not include those choices that he made. And folks, though you and I need to be especially warned. As these words exhort us, we who do have Christ within our hearts, we must be very careful because we too can do many of the same things that my dear nephew did. Conduct that reaches back to those days of our former lusts and ignorance. And remember who the Apostle Paul was addressing with these very words. Some of these people were very devout believers. Unholiness can come back into our souls if our former lusts and ignorance was left unattended. So God tells us here then, gird up the loins of your mind. Have a renewing of your mind. Be sober. Don't let anything fill your mind that can confuse you. Rest your hope fully upon the grace that is brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Allow the Holy Spirit to reveal Christ 
to us as we go through every moment of our day. As obedient children, not conforming yourselves to the former lusts as in your ignorance. Don't let those memories come back. This morning I was asking the Lord, take a particular song from my mind and never let me remember it again. It was a song that I learned in the former, the days of my former lusts and in my ignorance. But those words keep coming back. But as He who called you is holy, you also be holy in all your conduct because it is written, Be holy, for I am holy. As I pondered these words, my mind quickly went to what I would call the Ralph Newman approach to dealing with the potential sins of our life. As some of you know, Ralph was probably the toughest man that certainly I will ever encounter in my life. I've often thought that Ralph would probably be very much like Joshua in the Old Testament. Tough as nails and resolute in his character. And that's the attitude that you and I must take with sin, especially those former lusts that we remember so fondly, too often return and get caught back up in them. Oswald Chambers said in one of his writings that we must get ruthless with the attractions of our old sinful nature. Our old sin nature has been killed out within us by God's saving power. We've been washed clean, but that old nature refuses to lie down and die. And so you and I must do that for it. We must daily deal one more death blow after another until its ways can no longer reach back up and grab hold of us and get control over us. Ralph would quickly tell us that we'd better know the answer to those temptations long before they ever come our way. We better gird up our loins of our mind and stand firm against the wiles and the schemes of the devil. May I add one more need for our strong stand for holiness. It's simply that you and I are ever and always a witness to others with our behavior, with our conduct, especially our family members, but also to everyone who watches us. And the things we do influence all of them, often misguiding them into sinful behavior. And that's especially true when we are perceived as being a spiritual leader, strong in our faith, someone deserving of being listened to and followed. Folks, the holiness that we exhibit had better be true holiness and not just some wannabe holiness. If we are just wannabes, then we will train up wannabe followers. And woe be unto us if we do that. Before we close, may I re-emphasize these words that we've been saying. Be ye holy. Now note very carefully that the emphasis is on being. Being. We must first be holy before we can ever hope to do holy things. That is absolute. The being must come before the doing. It's only as you and I have the holiness of Christ dwelling within us, both in our salvation and in our daily surrender to Him, that we will then be able to step on forward and resolutely gird up 
the loins of our mind and be sober and rest our hope fully upon the grace that is to be brought to us at the revelation of Jesus Christ. As obedient children, we're not to conform ourselves to those former lusts as in our ignorance. But as He who called us to be holy, we must be holy in all our conduct because it is written, Be holy, for I am holy. Let's pray.